0: to Romans chapter 8, verse 26. If it has been a while since you've journeyed to the book of Romans, I would encourage you to go there more more often. Romans 8, in particular, is a beautiful description. Paul, we believe the writer, to be of this and to have written such a beautiful account of who Jesus is to us, what he means to us. Not that we don't already have a picture of that in our mind, not that most of us probably in here haven't already made some conclusions about that, about who Jesus is to us, but but Romans takes it takes the picture of grace to another level. Now last week we we talked in in some length and in detail about, about grace and what that looks like. And we're gonna talk more about that today because there is a need in our society and our culture. There's a message that needs to be taught even to the church, the current church, the American church, our church, churches globally still that God still saves today. Can you say amen, church, to that? Are we not grateful that grace didn't die out with the apostles or with Jesus Christ? Come on, somebody, that has been saved by grace. That grace is still real. The message of grace is still relevant today. Amen? And you can't have grace without the other side of the coin, and that is holiness, and, and I had taught on that this year as well. That you don't get to just get saved and just live life on your terms. That once we are saved, God outlines for us. He gives us borders, he gives us guardrails, he gives us a new lane to travel in. Just look at your neighbor and say, Stay in your lane. Yeah, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. That's a message in of itself, amen. Every teenager in here, can I just tell you, look at your pastor, because I love you, and your parent has probably told you this, but you know, parents, when it comes from someone else, sometimes it just matters more. Teenagers, stay in your own lane. Stay in your lane. You're saying, Pastor Matt, I don't even drive yet. What does that even mean? I drive, and I stay in everybody's lane. What I'm saying is, in life, there's a temptation to go this way or to go that way. Because that way looks good. And that way has less curves to it. And that way has less heels to it. But the Bible says straight is the way. And narrow is the path that leads to eternal life. Broad is the way that leads to a life of destruction. Look at your neighbor again and say, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. So there's a very real message of grace. And Romans paints a beautiful picture of it. And Romans chapter 8 does this in great detail and the descriptive words that the writer uses are just beautiful. One of my favorite verses, if you have your Bible, you can turn there and it's in the Bible app. We included the whole chapter of, of Romans chapter 8 in there for your context and your reading later today. Romans 8.1 says, therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus are called according to his purpose. What does that mean? In, in, in Belt and Crossroads Texas terminology, that simply means that you don't have to feel guilty you shouldn't feel guilty condemnation is translated guilt the writer is saying therefore therefore because jesus died for you therefore there is no condemnation there is no guilt with god do you feel remorse for your sins yes you should if you sin and you go against god's word and there's no remorse man you need to find the altar right now but when we feel remorse, that's a good thing. But then the devil likes to take that remorse to a whole nother level, doesn't he? You know, another level, you get another devil. And that devil likes to say, you know what? You should feel guilty for that. You are guilty. Well, you know what, devil? You're not the judge. Come on, somebody. L- look at the devil because he's under your feet. Or maybe you're sitting on him right now. And just say, hey, devil, that was weak. Say, hey, devil, you ain't my judge. Now, I'm messing up grammar for all the English teachers in the house. Sorry. But the devil is not our judge. All right, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Look at this. And in the same way, the spirit also helps our what? Weaknesses. You are weak at times. I hate to burst your bubble that you thought you were all perfect and that you had it together and you're just all of that in a bag of chips. But the Bible just declares that you're weak at times. And that's okay. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Can I just stop here and just give you a breath of fresh air and let you know that there are going to be moments in this life and in this world where you're weak where you're weak, but when I'm weak, yeah, some of you are getting it, for those that didn't hear you, when I'm weak, he is strong, he's like, he's like daddy strong, like if God could take us to the gun show, you know what I'm saying, in all seriousness, when we're weak, he is strong, and in fact, I don't see how strong he is until I realize how weak I am, that blows some of your minds. Listen to me. When we're weak, we don't like that. We don't like the feeling of weak, of being inept. We don't like that feeling. I don't like it either. But it's in my weakness that my God proves how strong he is. And he says, you know what, Matt? In your weakness, I'm going to show off, and I'm going to show you just how strong I really am. And in your moment of weakness, it is God's opportunity for him to show how strong he is. All right. So he says, the spirit also helps our weaknesses for for we don't know how to pray as we should. We know how to pray, but we don't know how to pray as we should. Because sometimes what he's saying is, sometimes we pray the stuff that we want to pray. Anybody ever prayed those kind of prayers before? You know, it's not really... You know, the prayer of the garden where you're just weeping and you're saying, all right, God, let your will be done. But you're praying, God, I really want that new car, or that new pair of shoes or whatever it is, that new house. God, that that's what I really—he's saying, we, we know how to pray. We've got the praying down. But sometimes in our weaknesses, we don't know how to pray as we should. Because often in our weaknesses, we pray for God to make us stronger when often our prayer should not be, God, for me to make make me stronger. It's to say, God, in my weakness, let me see how strong you are. So he's saying, you know how to pray. You've got the praying down. Remember I told you last week that God's not deaf? That you don't have to shout at God? That God's not deaf? That you don't have to say, God, can you hear me? God, I'm praying right now. This is me. I'm talking loud so that you'll hear my prayer. And then there's... People. Jesus, God, Jesus, So some people pray really quiet, quietly. Some people pray really loudly. But he's saying, in your weakness, listen to me, church, be careful. Because in your weakness, if you're not careful, you'll pray your outcome. And he's saying here... If we will stop and say, Holy Spirit, I'm weak, I get it. I don't know how to pray as I should. So I'm asking you to lead me and guide me in this prayer. Amen. All right, so he says, For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Talking about Jesus. And we know that God causes. Somebody say all things. All things. All things. Somebody say all things with me. All things. To work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called According to his purpose, all things, all things. If you got a pen and a real Bible, will you just mark that all upside, one down and the other? I mean, circle it, underline it, triangle it, obtuse angles, everything. Get your protractor out and do a, do a, 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 a 90 degree on that thing right there. God causes all things. Somebody shout all things. Yeah, everything that's been opposing you, now say all things. God causes what? All things, church, all things to work together for our good, for those who love him and called according to his purpose. All things. He calls us all things, the good, the bad, the ugly. He calls us all things to work together for who's good? Say my good. Say my good. Who wants some good in their life? Then you've got to allow the God of the universe to do what he needs to do in your life. So then you've got to go back to verse 26. Stop praying how you want to pray because what you do is not going to cause all things to work together for your good. What's going to end up happening is you're going to make a mess out of your life and you're going to hit me up on the phone or private message me on Facebook. Say, Pastor Man, we got all kinds of problems here. We need help. Because I've been been trying to work everything together for my good, and it's not working together for my good. It's turned out bad. Come on, somebody. So in verse 26, it says, When you're weak, you don't know how you should pray. But you ask the Holy Spirit, how do I pray here? Because when I do that, he says, All right, now I can work all things for your good. Can we just give God a praise right there? For whom he foreknew in verse 29, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn Jesus among many brethren. And whom he predestined there, he also called. And, and whom he called, these he also justified. And, and if he justified, he also glorified. Verse 31. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? These things. I don't care if you have an iPad or you got your iPhone out or your Android device or, you know, all the other the other smart dumb phone makers. Or if you got your real Bible out. But can you point to that for me? Please, f- f- get, your, get your pointer finger out. Because you've been pointing out a lot of things this week. What shall we say to, what does it say? Point up at the screen. Everyone point up there with me. These things. These things. What shall we say To these things. Hey, Christian, what are you going to say to these things? Can I tell you what these things are? Because apparently, according to this scripture, there's a conversation that we need to be having with these things in our life. What shall we say to these things? What are we going to say to these things? Verse 28 tells us and verse 26 tells us and verse 32 tells us. All of this scripture and all of this that we've been reading, it tells us, what are we going to say to these things? We know that God calls us what things? All things. In verse 28, he says, all things will work together for your good. And then verse 31 is this rhetorical question. He says, what will we say to these things? Things, all these things. What will we say to the very things in verse thirty-one that God is talking about in verse twenty-eight? Those are the same things. Verse twenty-eight, the things in verse twenty-eight. Listen to me, Crossroads family. Are also don't miss this. Are also the same things in verse thirty-one. He's saying the same things that I'm causing to work for your good are the same things that you need to be talking to. But what happens is we give the wrong attention to the things in verse 31. We all love verse 28. Well, God's going to cause all things. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? You get to dance on that one. We love verse 28. We love to walk around quoting that as if we know all of the Bible. You know, we see it in the daily devotional. When it's up there, you act act like you know it. You start saying it out loud. God's going to cause all things. Okay. Amen. I know that scripture. And in verse 31, he says, what will we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? If he is for me, then, then who is against me? Well, it's not, he's not saying that there's not people that are not against you. Because we all know, you, you feel free to shout me down if I'm, if I, if I'm wrong on this, just keep quiet. But, but do, do you not have some opposers and haters in your life? That's what I thought because you're sitting all quiet right now. I'm not preaching to a quiet church. I'm trying to preach to a church that wants to be set free today. I preach better when you say amen, when you shout by the way. And shorter. Man, cowboys play at 12 and they're in Europe. So I told someone this morning, if you lose over in Europe, it doesn't matter. It's not a real law. So anyway, but listen to listen to my heart, church. What we're doing is we're talking to these things in our life. These things are... Things like separation from our spouse, divorce, alcohol, pornography, lying, hatred, the love of money, the love of the flesh, the love of this culture and the love of this world. It's our mortgages, it's our debt, it's our car payment, it's our insurance payment, it's a pool payment, it's whatever kind of payment you got, these things. Those things that are tripping you up, those things that are causing you fear, the doubt, the resentment, the hurt the pain all of that stuff these things those things that you're thinking about right now those things those are the things that not only am I talking about as your pastor but but in Romans 8:28 and Romans 8:31 those are the same things he's saying what are we going to say to these things and unfortunately I bet a majority of us have been saying, man I feel like I'm drowning I want to give up. I want to quit. I want to let go. I want to stop serving God because, God, you've you've let go of me. Therefore, I'm going to let go of you. God, you haven't answered my prayer in time. What are we saying to these things? We're confirming in our life the very things that are trying to trip us up. We're saying, oh, my gosh, that mountain is big. That is a big problem. Can I remind you that you got a pretty big God. That, by the way, creates mountains. And those same mountains melt like wax when they're in his presence. What are we saying to these things? These things, we're looking at them and we're saying, man, it's going to kill me. It's going to take me. It's going to drown me. It's surrounding me. I can't get over it. I can't get past it. I can't overlook it. It's, it's staring me in the face, this doubt, this fear, this debt, this unbelief, this this hurt in my heart, the separation, the divorce, the alcohol, the pornography, the lust of the flesh, the lust of this culture, the desire to walk on one path and in the same breath follow God who is with me today. Listen to me, church. Those things he is saying to the church, he was saying to the early church, what are we going to say to these things? We have two options. This morning, we can confirm those things, or we can say to those things, hey, my God is for me. (laughs) Who is against me? That's right. Like cool as the other side of the pillow. come on somebody. God is telling his church, hey Crossroads church, I don't know what he's saying at Pastor Andy Davis's church at First Baptist. I know the word of God's being preached here, but right now to this group that's in this building, God is saying to you, you came here, you had no idea what God was going to use me to say to you, but I'm saying this to you, this is a word to you. He's saying, if I am for you, those things really. Those are the things that you're going to give attention to? Come on, somebody. God is saying, if I'm for you, is that really the thing that's going to bother you? Is that really the thing that's going to upset you? Why don't you get on your feet and give God a praise this morning? I may give God a praise this morning because your God is for you. He's not against you. Come on, somebody. He's saying, if I am for you. Then who is against you? Keep praising God. Come on. Give God a praise in this place. God, we praise you. Amen. You may be seated. Listen, listen. Sometimes it's good just to give God a standing ovation, isn't it? Sometimes he's worthy of a standing ovation. You know what? When you hear a good performance, if you go to a concert, you get on your feet and you start clapping because, man, that was good. That's worthy of my standing ovation. That's worthy. But shouldn't the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords be worthy of it too sometimes? See, God is saying, church, I'm on your side. I haven't left you. I haven't deserted you. That's a lie from the enemy. Your God is for you. Your God is for you. And he's saying, if he is for you, those things, really? So what if they're against you? So what if those things are against you? Listen to my heart, church, as we close. I get it. I know that in this life, there are going to be hard times. There's going to be trouble, isn't there? There's going to be trouble. You know, just because you serve God doesn't mean that everything is going to be like icing on the cake. There's going to be some times where your faith is tested, is it not, church? If you've walked with one day with God, you know enough to know that there are going to be moments in your life where it sounds like God is silent and the world is shouting in your ear and it's ringing. Desert God. Walk away. Where is he? Why hasn't he come through for you? Where has he been this whole time? And that's when you need to remind yourself, hey, things, God is for me. He's for me and I don't need your whispers and I don't need the confirmation of this world to confirm the things that I know to be true deep in my heart and my spirit. And that simply is this what the writer of Romans is telling us that God sent his best. He sent his very best. And let me show it to you. Verse 32. It says he who did not spare his own son. Can I tell you? Listen. Listen. In the Greek, this word own, it means property. That's It's literally translated property. Now let me read it to you. He who did not spare his property, his own property, his son, his only son, his best. God gave us his best. He didn't spare him, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also with Jesus freely give us all things? freely give us all things do you remember last week when we talked about he freely gave remember that if you were here last week we we talked about that he freely gave and he's saying he's bookending this really this this 26 to 32 is all bookended right here it starts out with telling us about god justifying and glorifying his son jesus so that we could be justified and glorified as well and he goes on to tell us, right, that that that, that God calls us all things to work together for our good. And that what shall we say to these things? And he says, all of this is possible because I freely gave the very best that I had. Can you imagine that? The God who owns the universe, who the Bible says the earth is his footstool, whose heaven is spectacular and amazing, and someday we're going to be there in eternity with him. In light of all of that, he gave his best. And he's saying, if I give you my best... Those things that are opposing you, that are trying to trip you up, that are trying to cause you to live a life of fear and of doubt and of failure and of disbelief and of depression and oppression, That that those, those things, those things, those things, if I am for you, if I gave my very best, he's saying, if I already gave my very best, the thing that you're asking for, how much more will I not freely give you what? you need come on somebody god's saying i already gave the best so if i lead off with the best of the best right if i lead off with that that's like god when he wrote the book the bible when he wrote it he led off with the best and he's saying, if if I lead off with the very best, you got to know that the rest is going to be blessed. Amen? That the rest of it's going to be good. Amen? Right, Let's stand up and give God an ovation right now together. Thank you, God, for giving your best. Let's worship the Lord. Our God is greater. A touch from you today. Our God, our God. One more time. Our God is greater. My God is greater. Come on, church.
1: Sing it out. Let me hear your voice.
0: The magical happens when we do that. It's just this corporate thing that we can do together to bring reverence and, and unity in this moment. But as we're kind of prostrated in this way, God, I, you know the hearts of men. You know our hearts. You know where we're at. I speak to the person who's on the fence. Maybe today they're saying, you know what, God, this is I'm giving you one last chance. Now I've been there and I've said that. But ultimately, who are we to even say that to a holy God? How can we give you one last chance when you give us chance after chance after chance after chance? Forgive us if that's been our response to you because of life. I know there's evil in this world, and I know bad things happen. I I read the same news that you're reading, church people, but, but... with our heads bowed with our eyes closed as as we're consecrating this moment no one moving around no cell phones none of that junk this is a holy moment god we we consecrate this moment to you and we say in our hearts god forgive us if we need to be forgiven you know normally i would lead in a prayer but what i want to do in this moment is in your own words you just in your heart just say god I, if, if you need forgiveness, just say, Lord, forgive me. I, I've made a mess. I, I, I'm a sinner. I need, I need you as my Savior, and forgive me of my sins, and forgive me of, of my wrongdoing and of my trespasses. God, I, I've crossed lines, and, and I, 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 I've crossed fences and, and boundaries and borders that you've set for me, and, and I need you to forgive me. You, you put that boundary there to protect me, and yet I keep testing it. Keep pushing the limits. God, may I dial back in the areas that I need to and yet increase my faith where I need to. Stretch my faith, enlarge my tent. Believe it. We confess it. That you're Lord of our life, that you died for us. We believe in our heart that we when we pray these things, the Bible says that we're saved. It doesn't have to be a rehearsed prayer or a prayer repeated from the pastor. It's God, it means something from our hearts. Forgive us, God. Heal us, heal us, and make us holy and righteous before you again. And lastly, I pray for for the believer in here, who who the things have been so loud. And what the things that Romans eight twenty eight Romans thirty one talks about those things. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Matt, the things quote unquote the things have been so loud. I I haven't heard any other voice but those voices. And I, I want to be healed and delivered and set free. And I want to know that there is the God that it, that is still in heaven and the God of the universe is on my side. I want that confirmed in my heart and my life. You say, Pastor Matt, this message was for me. Would you just raise your hand right where you're at? We're going to pray just where we are. Keep your hands up. Sure, hands going up all across this place. Listen, with your hand lifted up we're just going to pray right now. God of of the heaven and the universe, I declare freedom and liberty in this place. Because when you set us free, we're free indeed. When, When you set us free, we're free indeed. It's not the pastor, it's not a denomination, it's not religion, it's not a worship song, but it's you that declare freedom. And it's only you that set me free. So I thank you that I am free from the things that are holding me back, that have held me hostage, the things that I've been a slave to, that I have been set free, and I've delivered, and and I've been healed and made whole in Jesus' name, and I declare it to be so. Let's sing it out today. Let's make it our prayer.